He sometimes does that to me. He waits almost to the last minute. Matter of fact, one time, and it's only happened once so far, but one time he waited till five minutes before I was to get up and preach before he actually gave me my message for that particular moment of time. And let's tell you, I, I don't keep notes anymore. I used to. I'd write down every word that I was going to say. And, I'd, and then I would be able to pretty much memorize it and, and be able to minister in that manner. But you know what? It got to the point where the Lord didn't even let me do an outline. He just says, you open your mouth and I'm going to fill it. And I said, okay, God. And so from now on, for about the last two or three months now, I have not written a single word down. Oh, unless it was to give a definition of some particular word that people might not understand or know. But anyway, other than that, I have not written anything down. And I have opened my mouth and God has filled it. Matter of fact, my sound man told me last week, I think it was, that last week I ended up preaching longer than I have any other sermon since I've been here as pastor. And I tell you, when it's God, it's good. Amen? It's not dry. It's, it's full of vigor and, and vitality and full of the Holy Spirit. And, and I tell you what, it's energetic. And so I praise God for that, Baxter. And I pray God, praise God again for this week because I believe it's going to be just as good. I don't know if it's going to be just as long, but I do believe it's going to be just as good because it's from the Word of God. And, uh, but you know what, let me say this and then I'll get into the preaching. There was a, a Bible college professor I had at one time at, Bible, at uh, Southwestern Assemblies of God Bible College in Waxahachie. That's where I met my, my lovely wife here, 33 years, praise God. Anyways, uh, anyways, he said, he's made this remark. He was our homiletics teacher. And he said this, he said, it's all God's word, so it really doesn't matter what you preach. That's what he said out of his own mouth. He said, it's all God's word, so it really doesn't matter what you preach. And I don't, I disagree with that 100%. Because I believe that God has a particular word for that particular day, at that particular moment, for that particular congregation, and I believe that with every fiber of my soul and being. And I tell you what, I have never deviated from that way of believing about the Word of God. And so today, I believe this is the Word that God would have us to hear. It's out of the book of Acts, chapter 12. If you would, take your Bible and turn with me there this morning. We're going to read, end up reading a total of 18 verses, but we're going to only start off with the first uh, nine verses, I believe. No, the first 11 verses. We're going to start off with the first 11 verses. So if you would stand, if you found it, stand with me as we honor God at the reading of his word this morning. Acts chapter 12, beginning with verse number 1. It says, Now about that time, Herod the king 
stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison. But, now this is an important but, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down the street, down one street, and immediately the angel departed from them. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. Father, we thank the Lord for your word. We thank you, dear God, that you're going to show us what you want us to know from it. And God, that you're going to show us that you do all the heavy lifting, Lord. Because there's times when all we can do is pray and seek your face and, and ask you to give us the answer we are, we're seeking for because we need a miracle from your hands. And Lord, we thank you that you're still in the miracle working business today as you always have been and as you always will be. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I tell you what, Usually we're not already we're almost all ready to be dismissing about this time sometimes. But you know, God has had a lot in store for us today. And I, I believe everything I've said and done up here has been led of the Spirit, just as well as Brother Marvin and Brother Lawrence is leading us in praise and worship. I tell you folks, there is still a place for these hymn books in the house of God. Each of these I believe I now I can't say each of them because I don't know them. But the ones that do know, I know they have a good message to them. And I tell you what, I like seeing them. I, I grew up on them, as a matter of fact. That was all we grew up with in the denomination that I used to be in. I wasn't always assembly. I, I have transferred over since I started Bible college in 1986. It was about the year 87 or 88 that I actually switched over to being assembly. But you know, I do know that there is a lot of good songs in these songbooks, but there's also some good and anointed 
contemporary music, like the one we just heard a while ago, that goes right hand in glove with this message that we're about to listen to this morning, that the Holy Spirit is about to teach us on and, and preach us, preaching through me on. I tell you what, I am so glad that God has anointed me this morning. I always wait until the preacher shows up. I don't know if y'all know, that's old Pentecostal thing. I don't know if y'all know what it means or not. But you wait until the anointing comes. And then when it falls and comes, then you get up and you start preaching. And I tell you what, sometimes it's, it's within the first 15 minutes of the service. Sometimes it's near the end of the service. But whatever the case may be, I'll always wait upon the Holy Spirit to anoint me before I stand before you. Because I don't want you to listen to Pastor R.L. Love. You say, well, what do you mean by that? You don't want me to listen to you? No. Because it shouldn't be me talking to you. It's God. God is the one speaking. And so I want you to listen to him and to react to what he says. And I know when the Spirit is moving when he's not. And I know when the Holy Spirit tells me to hush and sit down and when it's time to keep on preaching. So, anyways, I won't hold you any longer than I have to today. But I'm here to tell you today, folks, that this is this is the word that the Lord has put upon my heart for us today. And I'm going to go back and read just a few verses here. In verse number one, it says, Now, after that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to, to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, I don't want you to mistake what's being talked about here in that verse there, when it says James. Did you know that Jesus had a half-brother named James? He did. He had a half-brother named James. Whenever he was in the family of Joseph and Mary, anyways, he grew up with them, and, and Joseph and Mary actually had the child of uh, James. And so he was his half-brother as he grew up. But now there's about to be another James we're going to look at, and it's talking about a different James. So he's not talking about the guy that got killed and came back again from life from dead, okay? It's two different Jameses going to be being spoken of, of about here. But anyways, then it says, And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of eleven bread, so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him. Now listen to this. Four squads. Each squad contained four guards. So there was four squads. Four times four is sixteen. Now, I mean, this guy Herod wanted to be sure that, that Peter didn't get away. So he had sixteen total guards watching over him to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. All because it pleased the Jews that he killed James. But I'm here to tell you today, folks, the world loves the world. The world loves entertaining what the devil is doing today. What, whatever the case might be, whether it's getting you to lie about something, or, or what they call a little white lie or a fib, let me tell you, I saw a, a cartoon, one not a cartoon, but a VeggieTale video one time about this fib. And it grew and it grew and it grew till it was way out of 
control it. And the only thing, the only person that could defeat it was uh, Larry Boy. And so Larry Boy beat the thing, but it took him some doing as well. I'm here to tell you, folks, that's what's going to happen. And once you tell a lie, you're going to have to tell another one on top of that, one more on top of that, and you're going to have to keep going with it. And the problem is going to be when you forget what the last lie was. Because then you're liable to trip yourself up. So we can't do that. We can't lie because we're not, as Christians, we're not to be spoke, supposed to be lying about anything. Amen. And, Amen. and so what I'm saying is, is that maybe there's something else that's, that you're dealing with. But whatever the case might be, we, we need to understand that the devil is trying, he wants people to find some sin, whatever it might be, that looks attractive to them and go after it just like a fish does to a lord. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. He wants them to catch on to it and let him reel them in. Mm -hmm. And for the longest time, that's what the devil had done to me. I was born, bred, and raised in the house of God. But you know what? All of a sudden, when I was about 17, 18 years old, I decided I didn't want that life anymore. So I decided to go out on my own. And I told my mom and dad, I don't want to go to church anymore. Well, they made me wait until the 18th birthday, and then I got to make my own decision. Well, I decided not to go to church anymore. And that was my biggest mistake. But anyways, then all of a sudden, I started finding myself drifting further and further away from God. But you know what? I got to the point. I mean, I got this close to being left by the Lord, left alone to to have a reprobate mind. I became that close to it because I got to the point where I didn't go to church. If you tried to talk to me about the Lord, I'd get up and walk away. If you followed me, I'd walk outside. If you followed me, I'd get in my car. If you followed me, I'd drive away. I didn't want to hear anything about the Lord. And I also got to the point where even when I did sin, that I didn't repent. I didn't ask God to forgive me. I didn't think I had anything to ask forgiveness for. And the reason why was because what I had been taught all my life by the denomination I came out of, and they had taught once saved, always saved. So here it was. I was uh, believing that I was still walking with Jesus and living for him because I was born again when I was 15 years old. I know that I was. My brother says I wasn't. But I know that I was. Anyways, I got away from God completely, and I came. And the last, the last thing I heard God say to me before I gave my heart back to Him was this: I was in the holding cell at the Blue Spirit Jail System. This was my fourth arrest, the only time I'd been arrested for something I didn't even really do. Anyways, they they came. The the Lord they put me in a holding cell all by myself. And the Lord began dealing with me. And I was sitting there on the bench looking down at the floor. And all of a sudden, I heard my name whispered. I looked up. I thought, did somebody get put in here while I wasn't looking? I looked around. Nobody's in there. I looked down at the floor again. A little bit more insistent this time. My name again. And I looked up. And I, I still didn't see anything. Buddy. And so I was about to look down for the third time to the floor. And all of a sudden, it was like a shout. I mean, very harsh shout and I stood straight up and I looked straight up and I said oh it's you 
And I was talking about his God. And God said, God said this to me. He said, are you coming home or not? This is your last chance. And I didn't know what he meant by that. Because I thought he, I, I was still a Christian, so I didn't know, think that he was talking about my salvation. I just thought, well, he needs, means for me to get rededicated. So I made up my mind that I was going to follow God again, and I started doing that as soon as I got out of that trouble. And I began to walk, go into the church, to my brother's church, and I began listening to all the sermons again and stuff, and I began actually repenting again. And I tell you what, it, it was a such, it's like when you repent of what you know you're guilty of, it's like, and, and you know that God is forgiving you for it, it's like a thousand pound weight or a ten thousand pound weight is being lifted up off of you. And I tell you what, that's, I like that feeling. And then about two months after coming in to the, to the house of the Lord, the Lord said, I want you to pastor today. So I made that decision. About a year later, I started Bible college, and here I am 30-plus years later in the ministry. Amen. So you see what I'm saying is, is this, that it took a miracle for God to break through all the garbage that I had put myself through for no reason whatsoever, really. But you know what? God is still in that same business today. He's still in the miracle-working business today. So whether it's a, a lost loved one that may be yourself or maybe somebody that you know of that needs Jesus, just continue to pray for them because it's going to pay off. It's, gonna, it's got benefits that you really want and need. Believe me. It says in verse 5, Peter, oh, I already read that. Okay, let me find out where I left off at. Try to get my eyeballs on. Okay. Oh, no, I didn't. Well, I read it, but I want to reread it. Verse number five. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. When I was away from God, my mom was praying for me every day, so was her church, my dad, my brother. I, and it floored me when I found out my brother was. I didn't think he loved me that much. I, I mean, I, seriously. When I first time I went into that church after coming back to God, and the pastor of the church spoke up and he said, Your brother, he says, Albert, and that's my brother's name, Albert, and he said, Albert's been praying, asking prayer for you for the last several years. And I thought, man, I didn't even think he loved me that much. And here it is, he'd been asking prayer for me that whole time. And anyways, I, uh, but he never did try to tell me about the Lord or nothing. My mom always did. But anyways, that, I already covered that. So, But what I'm saying is, is this, is that prayer was being made, up, made on a daily basis for me and by a lot of people. And I finally listened to God and let him break through my barrier and I came back to God praise the Lord. But like I said he was in prison and he was kept by 16 soldiers and here it is it says that the angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on his side and raised him up saying arise quickly and his chains fell off his hands. See Peter couldn't do that. 
Peter couldn't break those chains. He wasn't a, a what do you call it, a, a escape artist. He wasn't an escape artist, so he wouldn't have known how to get those shackles off of himself. But you know what? He didn't have to. The angel of the Lord came down. Amen. And he began to help him at that point in time. When he when it had to take a miracle, that's why I called this message what I did. I called it and have called it, God will do all the heavy lifting. Or God does, no, God does all of the heavy lifting. That's what it is. God does all of the heavy lifting. In other words, what you can't do, He will do. And, you, and you've got to not frustrate yourself by trying to take on too much for yourself. In other words, sometimes we try to pray Holy Ghost Junior or something, and, and we start trying to do our own thing, and we think this is the answer that will get us taken care of. Guess what? You're wrong. we got to, every one of us, myself included, we've got to understand, we cannot fix our own problems. It's got to be God. And God is going to perform whatever miracles needed. With me, it was being in that holding cell of the Lou Jerry jail system. With Peter, it was him in prison, and he's about to be broken out. And he and it says that the angel of the Lord came to him, and it shown there was a light shining in the prison there. And it says that the angel told, "Arise quickly." What gets me is this: before it said that, guess what it said? It said Peter was sleeping. Now, if I'm about to be headed the next day or sword run through me, whatever the mode of killing was going to be, if that was the case for me, I doubt very seriously if I'd be sleeping. I'd be up worried about everything and trying to chew my nose, my nails down to the quick and everything else. But you know what? God knew what he needed, and he sends his angel to, to get him out of this mess. And then after it says, after it says, he wakes, wakes him up, and then it says to, it, the chains fell off of him. That's what we heard about for gold. Uh, arise quickly, and his chains fell off of his hands. Next verse, please. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. In other words, he was going to have Peter do what he could do. But now there's going to be things that's still going to be happening that he had, he had no ability to do. Not, but he did have the ability to gird himself. He had the ability to put his sandals on. He had the ability to uh, get dressed, in other words, so he could get ready to leave. And he could follow him. Next verse. So he went and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but thought he saw a vision. Mm -hmm. In other words, he didn't even know that this was a real thing. He thought it was a vision that God was giving him. You know, have you ever had a dream so real to yourself that you thought that it was a real thing going on at that particular moment? I mean, you, you that, I've had that happen to me on several occasions. Matter of fact, I even had one occasion when I woke up and I thought I was awake, but it turned out I was still asleep. And so finally, though, I was praising God because I finally really did wake up and it wasn't a real thing. But this, this that's not the case with this here. It says that he didn't even really know that it was happening. 
But it was an actual event that, his, that was taking place in his life. God was getting ready and, and in the process of delivering him, praise God. I'm here to tell you, folks, that's God still today. Yeah. He's going to open every door that he's got to open. He's going to have you do what you can do that he knows you can take care of, but anything else is going to be on God. That's why he's the one doing all the heavy lifting. Next verse. When they were past the first and second guard post, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord, and they went and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from them. In other words, it's almost like he's saying, okay, I've done everything I can do. Because it says that they, that they came to the first and second gate, and that got opened up, even though the guards were posted there. Those, those gates got opened up, and then came the iron gate that leads to the city. It got opened up, and it was done by the angel. Peter couldn't have opened it. All of those three gates there would have been locked. I mean, there would have been no escape. There would have been no way of him getting out. And so it had to be, once again, the angel intervening. What he could not do, the angel did. God showed him, the angel what he needed to do. For his child. And each time that it had to happen, it he came through for it. And then it says that as soon as they got down the street, one street, that the angel departed from him. In other words, his, his mission was over. That's the way it is with angels. They're sent for a particular purpose and reason. And once it's accomplished, they're gone. Let me give you a quick example of this happening. There was this guy one time who was... He was dressed like an airplane pilot. Anyway, he was in this airport, and it was a long, long corridor, and they were the only, this guy and these other two people were the only ones in the corridor. And they were in desperate need, I mean desperate need of a, a visa in, in order to be able to make their flight. And so, anyways, this, this uh, angel, well, I gave it away already. This pilot came up, and he hands him the visas, and he turns around to walk away, and they quickly, quickly look at it. And like I said, it's a long, narrow corridor, no do exit doors on either side, and as soon as they looked up to thank him, he wasn't there. I believe, I, I believe, and that's a true story, I believe that was an angel, folks. God sends angels when he needs to. He still does it today. You know, some people think, well, or fleeces out of date. I'll let the Lord and you be the ones to judge that. I mean, Gideon did it one time. But I'm not, I'm not in a big habit of doing it myself, but I do know this, that if God will make sure that you know what his will is for your situation in life, and then he'll make it known, whether it's by the preaching of the word like this today, whether it be by the word of God as you read it, whether it be through an evangelist or somebody else, whatever. And I've even had friends come up to me. Like today, let me give you a quick, another quick example, and then we'll be moving on. But there was a, a pastor friend of mine I was working with in Rockdale. His name is Royal Johnson. He keeps in touch with me, and he gives me texts every Sunday morning. I'm not texts, emails. He gives me emails every Sunday morning. And today... He, re he reminded me that the Lord is with me. 
and that he's my strength. He's the one that I need to rely on for any and all situations that I'm dealing with at this particular time or any time in the future. And I tell you what, the reason I say it was due seat word in due season was because I've been struggling with my mom's situation for the last week, two weeks, three weeks. It's been a while. Anyways, because the things have just been getting worse and worse and worse. But you know what? I know God's in the mean in the intervention mode. And I know that he's working it out for her to start eating as of today. She's going to start her therapy again tomorrow. She's going to participate. She's going to, I mean, next time I hear about her, she's going to be born with both guns of blazing. She's going to be, I mean, that's what I know, folks. Because I know my God. And my God will not let me down. And I know it's his will for to heal her and not to let her give up. So we're going to continue to pray and believe for that. I pray, I thank you for all y'all's prayers as well. But God gets all the glory. I mean, it's, it's not anything man can do. So God gets all the glory. Praise God. Amen. I want to pick up on verse number 11 now. It says, and when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has seen his, sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. In other words, he set him free. He delivered him. Verse 12, so when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice, because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. I thought that was interesting when I read this story. You know, she they've been in there praying for his release, and, and she recognizes his voice. She knows it's him, but she don't open the door to him. Then it says in verse 15, but they said to her, you are beside yourself. In other words, you're crazy, lady. You don't know what you're talking about. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it is, we'll pacify you and just say it's his angel, okay? And then in verse 16, now Peter continued knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That blows me away. That really does. That word astonished actually means it surprised them big time. They weren't expecting it. And why weren't they? That's what they had been praying for. You know, if I'm not going to believe that God's going to do what I'm asking him to do concerning my mom or anything else we've prayed over today, if I don't believe he's going to do something, guess what? I'm wasting my time and God's. But you know what? When I pray and believe, the Bible says in Mark 11, verses 22 and 23, I think it says, Jesus said, have faith in God. For if you say to this mountain, be thou removed, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say you shall have, you will have it. In other words, you can expect this mountain to get up and leave if you've prayed over it to do so. Now that may be a hyperbole, which means an exaggerated statement. I don't know that that's the case here. But I do know this, that when I pray, I believe. Every time. Whenever, if you need somebody to pray with you about something, 
and want to see God move and do something, please don't hesitate to call me. Because I'll come and I'll pray with you and I'll ask God to bless you in whatever way you need. And then we're going to believe together. And I don't just believe in saying a two-minute prayer and saying, okay, we prayed, bye. I'm going to stay with you as long as you want me to and need me to until we feel a release of the Holy Spirit to know that that prayer has been answered and delivered and that God's working. Amen? Amen. Amen. So anyway, that's, that's where we're at at this point in time. But then there's just one or two more verses here that I wanted to cover. Because like I said, don't be astonished when God answers your prayer. And then it says, verse 17, But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, Go tell all these things to James and to the brethren. In other words, not stop James, the brother of Jesus. I mean, that's, that is James, the brother of Jesus, not the James, the brother of John. Okay? And then it says, uh, in verse 18, Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So in other words, the devil's plan to kill Peter as well as James got thwarted. Because God wasn't through with Peter. There was more for him to do for him and his kingdom. Same thing is going to be true in your life and in the lives of those who you're praying for. As long as that person is still taking breath, that means that there's something that God still has for them to do. My mom is not through by God being through with her. In other words, he still has a mission for her. He still has an assignment. That's why she's still alive. Because for her not to be eaten for like three or four weeks now, at least, it's amazing in my opinion that she's still alive and doing as well as she is. But you know what? I know that God is going to complete what he's already begun. He's going to complete her healing. But I've got to keep praying and believing. And so is everybody else that's praying with me. We've got to understand that God is still doing the same kinds of things today. Miraculous healings and touches and so forth and so on. We've got to be ready for God to move in whatever manner he wants. Now sometimes it is the call of the time. I'm sorry to say that, but that happens. But I do know this, that if that did happen, God would give me the grace and the strength to bear up underneath the pain of because when I say pain, I mean humps and blows and everything else does. Because me and my mom are very close. And if something happened to her like that, it would devastate her. But I would still survive. I would still know that there's a day when I'm going to get to be with her again. But I'm believing in the meanwhile, until that actually happens, that she's still going to make it. That she's coming out of the rehab and that she's going to get to go home to her physical home. Uh, I know one day she will go to her heavenly home as well. She knows 